0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, "'You do not know what you are asking. "'Can you drink the cup that I drink, "'or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized?' They said to him, "'We can.' Jesus said to them, "'The cup that I drink, you will drink. and the baptism with which I am baptized, "'you will be baptized. "'But to sit at my right or at my left "'is not mine to give, "'but is for those for whom it has been prepared.' When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. They summoned, Jesus summoned them and said to them, "'You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve.' and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. the readings today, we're invited to reflect upon a great mystery. We hear in the Sponsorial Psalm that the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, upon those who hope in his kindness or his love or his faithfulness, to deliver them from death, to preserve them in spite of famine. In stark contrast to this, we have the first reading, which begins very simply, The Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. How do we make sense of those two coming together? This is what the church invites us to reflect upon. How is it that the Lord is kind to us? That he is faithful, that he will preserve his his little ones in spite of famine, save them from death. And yet at the same time, in his will, was one who was... A servant, a good man, to permit him to be crushed in his infirmity. The skits are the thing that often plagues the human heart. It's the reason that many people abandon the faith. It's the reason that many people come to a deeper faith. It's the reason probably why there are a few people who are not here with us today. Suffering. Suffering tries us, it tests us, and most especially it tests our faith. When we experience sufferings, one of two things happen. Either we cooperate with the will of the Lord and we resign ourselves to our cross, or we fight. Sometimes we go back and forth between the two a little bit. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, those are the two points. We resign ourselves, or we don't. Isaiah the prophet, when he's writing about this this servant whom the Lord will crush in infirmity, he's writing about what we know as the suffering servant. He mentions him on four specific occasions. We usually hear about him during a different time of the year, but it's appropriate for us to reflect upon him in his life here. The suffering servant is not just a a random individual. Ultimately, we see that the suffering servant really is Isaiah being a prophet, pointing forwards to Christ. Our Lord is the suffering servant. And yet it was the will of the Lord, the will of God, that his son, Jesus, will take on flesh and be crushed in infirmity. Interestingly enough, though, Isaiah also, in that same exact passage, mentions that the servant himself, quote, will give his life as an offering. So it's not just that the father desires the son to experience suffering. The son says yes to it. He wills it himself. He chooses it freely. We see this in the person of Jesus. As he experiences all of these things through the course of his life, and he does so for a purpose. As Isaiah speaks of the servant, he does so so that his descendants might have long life, so that he himself can enjoy the light of the fullness of days, and ultimately, that by his sufferings he may justify many. He will justify many. Oftentimes the word is used in Scripture, the many, a chosen people. This is what Jesus himself does as he takes up his ministry. We know that all throughout the course of the time, he goes and he goes from place to place to place and he's prophesying. We've now heard two of them in recent weeks prophesying to the day that he will climb upon the cross and he will offer his life for us. At the end of the passage today, as, as Jesus is speaking to all 12 of the disciples, he reminds them of this. He says, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. And notably, to offer my life as a ransom for many. He's telling us very clearly, I'm the servant. <laughs> I'm the one who's supposed to experience being crushed in infirmity, and I accept it. And if you want to be a servant like me, so will you. James and John don't, ask, don't understand what they're asking, but what they're asking is to be crucified with Jesus. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus says, you have no idea what you were asking for, sons. (laughs) If you did, you wouldn't ask. (laughs) But you will drink the cup. You'll be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized, namely, to be washed in his blood and death. They will both suffer greatly. That you will do. And the invitation is to do it in accordance with the will of the Father. Jesus goes and he sets the model for us. In all things he is resigned to the will of the Father. He accepts it. He embraces it. He loves it, even. Even though it is difficult, as the Lord Jesus in the Agony of the Garden says, Father, if this cup can pass, let it. Who among us hasn't uttered that prayer? Who among us hasn't asked for the suffering to be freed? either from ourselves or from someone else. And yet, thy will be done. That's our goal. Thy will be done. Jesus himself knew it. He knew the will of the Father. He knew whenever he took on flesh, exactly what that would entail. He was God. It's not as if, it's not as if the Father had a secret file that said, don't show Jesus. You know, Jesus knew everything. He knew everything all the sufferings he would endure in his life, he knew every bit of the passion before he even took on flesh. And yet he still chose it. I'm reminded of a quote from St. John Vianney, who reflecting upon his life as a priest, he said, if I had known the sufferings that I would have endured through my life, if I had known them at the first, I would have been too scared to even to try. I wouldn't have said Yes. (laughs) The sufferings that we encounter in this life as we go through are hard. And if we, if we had them all to see on paper right at the start, most of us probably wouldn't sign up. We probably wouldn't proceed in following the will of the Lord. And so it's out of his love for us that he hides the sufferings that we endure until we need to endure them. That his will unfolds for us gradually because it would be too much for us all at once. And in every single one of these, the Lord invites us to say yes to the will of the Father. That's what our opening prayer actually prayed today. All of you, whenever you sang Amen, you were consenting to the prayer. That's why we sing it. The priest prays the prayer on behalf of the entire community and the, will, the prayer for us today was that our will would be conformed to that of the Father. Thy will be done. And we all sang, Amen. Let it be done. Yes. The difficulty is whenever we encounter these sufferings, sometimes we don't want it to be done. Sometimes we can't make sense of it. In fact, most often we can't make sense of it. We desire to run the other way. We desire to fight against the will of the Father. do this especially when it comes to other people. All of us can experience suffering ourselves. I can handle my suffering. But to see someone I love suffer, that's even worse. We can experience and we can take in, we can make sense of our own suffering. But Lord, why won't you help them? Why won't you help them? This is where it tests our faith most. In this place, the Lord Jesus reminds us that he knows exactly how we feel. Exactly. The letter to the Hebrews should be for us an incredible consolation. That's what the writer was trying to remind us. He says we don't have a high priest who's distant from us. We don't have someone who who doesn't know what we've experienced. It's not as if God has only known about suffering because, you know, he, he's, he's, here, he's, you know he's heard our, our, our complaints in our prayer. Man, suffering must be really terrible. They tell me about it all the time. I don't know what it feels like, but, but that must be really bad, huh? Not at all. Jesus took on our flesh. He's experienced everything that we ourselves have experienced. If we experience physical suffering, so has Christ. We experience emotional suffering, so is Christ. We experience the loss of a loved one, so is Christ. We experience all of these you know, you know, emotional turmoils, the difficulties and trials, the wounds of our earthly life, so has Christ. And he is with us always. This is our consolation. That in the midst of the sufferings that we endure, which none of us can escape... None of us can go through life without suffering. Not even the Son of God himself. The invitation for us is to embrace it. To embrace the will of the Father. Difficult though it is, this is where grace is found. When we embrace the will of the Father, when we embrace the sufferings that come our way, whether in ourselves or in suffering with another... This is where the Lord desires to be with us, to move with us, to assure us that he has not abandoned us. And ultimately, as Christians, we do know that though we experience suffering, our suffering is here and now. If we are faithful to Christ, our suffering is relatively brief. In the sense that Christ calls us for himself, they will have long life as a descendant of our Lord, as one of his children that we will have eternal life, that we ourselves will also experience the light of fullness of days, not just the sufferings, but also even to know that our sufferings have value, that our sufferings can actually help to save another person too, strange as that may be that the Lord would invite us to it, and yet it can happen. Christ can use all of these things for his glory, for our good, and for the good of others. Our sufferings are never wasted. If we offer them to Christ, they become instruments of power. And this is where the Lord invites us to remember these things. That whether we've experienced our sufferings in the past and we still have the scars in our hearts and our flesh to show them, whether our sufferings are on us right now, today, or whether our sufferings come tomorrow, whether they come from 10 years from now, it doesn't matter. The important thing is to remember that Christ has suffered too. He is not distant from us. He is intimately close. He is with us. And if we permit ourselves to be with him, to remain with him, to say yes to will, the Father, all will be well, even if we have to bear the cross for a longer time. And says, we offer these holy mysteries today, we give thanks to the Lord for the grace that he has given to us. We indeed thank him for the crosses that he gives to us, because we know that they are the means of our salvation. We pray that we might be able to conform our will more deeply each and every single day to the will of the Father. As in all things, whatever they may be, as they are unveiled before our eyes, we might be able to look to the Lord who first gave his yes and echo it ourselves and our bodies.